In this episode, a one-on-one with the legendary Dan Aykroyd, and we'll do that right after this. All right, this show brought to you in part by Simply Safe. If you have 30 minutes, you never have to worry about break-ins ever again. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Adam, get all the sensors you need, all the help you need as well to set it up. Custom systems going to show up post haste at simplysafe.com slash Adam. From Corolla One Studios in Glendale, California, this is the Adam Corolla Show. Adam's guest today, Dan Aykroyd. And now, who you going to call? Not him. He doesn't know how to use his phone. Adam Corolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on the choice, but to get on mandate, get it on. And welcome to an episode that I'm really excited about. Mr. Dan Aykroyd has joined me in studio. Uh, I was at the Crystal Head Vodka, who oh, I will call it party, at the Magic Castle uh, the other night. Sorry, I missed you there. I'm sorry. Uh, I, the valet kept asking my car to move, and so I had to move my car three times, and then I gave up, and I, I didn't go back inside. I'm very sorry to have to admit you. It was a fun night. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I knew I would see you today uh, so, here we are uh, here we are i've been a fan for as long as i can remember um always watched snl you know from from jump street and i always respected your work because you were such a wordsmith and so concise with the way you delivered your words i felt like you take like uh you and steve martin doing the swing and check brothers um his was a sort of comical. I love that man. His was a sort of over-the-top kind of almost nonsense version of it. He's a very stylish guy, that guy. But you were doing the accent with, like, precision. And, and I always thought as a young person, I thought, man, this guy is, is concise. Like, all the characters, you know, even Bassomatic stuff and, you know, Jane, you ignorant... What'd you call her? <laughs> Jane, you ignorant slut. Slut, right. Like, it was all... You miserable bag of, sp- of splunk- slunk meat. You miserable bag of slunk meat. Yes. Uh, that, that was Jim Downey's writing right there, though. But, uh, um, well, to address that about cons- cons- precision. Concision, or, yeah. You know, I grew up in a government town, and my parents worked for the government, and they used to... My, my mother typed my papers in college. My dad uh, wrote up a lot of papers. And I worked for the government writing papers for several departments, uh, the penitentiary service, the uh, Department of Public Works, and uh, there was one other job that I had there where I had to write a lot of, and you had to be, <clears throat> you had to be very concise and precise and, uh, and articulate in very little time because, you know, the average government bureaucrat above me, you know, the, the attention span would, wouldn't be there, so you had to grab them. Yeah. You know, but it, it, slurry seal. It's slurry seal asphalt. Why use it? Why not use it? <laughs> Cracks in the road along our Ontario highways. And then I would, you know, uh, lay it all out. Yeah, it's interesting how things that wouldn't seem to feed or lend itself to another profession do. Like Carpentry. A, yes, carpentry. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I, I learned a lot. I mean, it's like. Being in the military and then sort of taking things you learned in the military 
into the private sector. But I must tell you, you know, having that as a skill in your in your life set of skills, uh, it, uh, you will you will never be replaced uh, by AI. A carpenter will not be replaced. I don't see AI picking up a nail gun or a drill. Uh, as far as electricians and plumbers, best professions to be in, you know, you're no no way some AI robot is going to get in and do a U pipe under a sink. Right. Uh, so <clears throat> you have that skill. I <clears throat> I don't really have a you a real call- skill uh, like that. Yeah. Well, you don't need it. You're super talented. Uh, well, thank you, sir. I've worked with great people that were great collaborators, and all the work that that I did enjoy doing is from that. And uh, I, was, I got all the right breaks in that, and I backed it up with you know whatever skills I do have. But uh, to have a hard skill like that, it's uh, it's quite admirable. It's funny in Canada they call that what's under the sink a U pipe because it's shaped like a U. I've mm-hmm. never heard it. We call it a trap. A trap. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But yeah. uh, that's a Canadian it, yeah. versus American yeah. thing. Get that AI robot robot to get out there and clean that trap. It ain't going to happen. No, I, I get it. I've been pushing for this for a while, which is, um, you know, when they were taking away all the trades in schools and replacing them with music appreciations, as much as I love music, you know, playing the oboe or the cello is fine, but it's easier to make a living well, if you know a trade. Well, the, the ideal would be for the student to go in, make his oboe in the woodshop and go out and play <laughs> right. it. I mean, if right. that, but if there's no money in schools to do any programs anymore. So you and uh, you should know that I had a recovered memory last night of going and seeing the Blues Brothers movie when it came out at in Century City, where they used to have a nice big movie that, theater. That's a nice screen. And they had the Blues Brothers mobile parked in front of the theater. Mm-hmm. And there's a few movies that I, I talk about that are, are like seminal movies, like important movies. And I, I feel that way about the Blues Brothers. I, I thought you take comedy, you take music, you take action, um, you take all these iconic people of the Cab Calloways and Aretha Franklins and Ray Charles and stuff, and you capture them all at sort of the height of their powers. And then... Lots of little things in the movie that I always appreciated and always thought I was thought was funny, even when I didn't even know what I was going to do for a living. But just for instance, the scene where it's you're in the cafe with Aretha Franklin and Matt Guitar Murphy's in there and you and John are sitting there at the counter, sort of not paying much attention. But then at some point, get up and get into the dance and then slide back down on your stool as if nothing happened. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was like weird little pieces of, of genius interspersed in that movie. I have a crystalline memory of that exact moment the first time we, uh, we were uh, rehearsing it. Uh, first of all, we had Carlton Johnson, who was the Temptations choreographer. So oh, really? We had the, the best there. And I remember... Uh, being there sitting and just turning on the stool and what, just watching Aretha. And when she started to sing and started to move, she looked so cute. I, a combination of amusement and awe just hit my stomach, and I, I froze. I was paralyzed watching her uh, do her, uh, her dance and, start, and, 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 her, and her commencement of, of singing that, that part. And, and then I see John starting to move, and it was like 
Marshall Earp when he drew his six gun. Mm-hmm. You know, time stopped. He said, the reason I was able to get a bullet out as soon as the barrel left the holster was because I took my time. Mm-hmm. I took my time. And that was a slow moment for him in his gunfights and for me a very slow moment where I didn't think I would be able to get off. The, the, I thought I'd, my knees would buckle. And John moved, and then I overcame it, and then we, we did it. But I was awed by her talent, and it paralyzed me in yeah. that moment. I, my, I, I love the Ray Charles scene. I love that <clears throat> song. I love There's No that, Action in that These That song keyboards. was written by uh, Philadelphia songwriters. I don't recall who, uh, but that Ray didn't write that song, Shake a Tail Feather. But we needed that song at that point in the movie for that type of energy as a dance number, also to feature him on the on the keyboards. And so he's, Ray was such a good sport. He recorded two songs uh, for films that I did, that, uh, where he was so great. And, and, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the, the action on this piano. You know, I love that play, line. And he plays and... And we had to record the song with him. He coached us through the vocals all the way through. He was our producer, basically, on that track. And also for the film that I directed uh, with Chevy and Demi Moore and John Candy, which I, I like, <laughs> called Nothing But Trouble. Sure. He, uh, he, um, he recorded uh, Tony Bennett's The Good Life for me, you know. And, uh, and so that was such pleasure to work with him in the studio and then to have him just nail it on film, you know. Yeah, so you gotta you got to thank... The city of Chicago, African American culture first. The city of Chicago, African American culture first. The city of Chicago, and John Landis really for what that that movie really became because John is a true cineast, and it needed his hand desperately from the from the, the original concept uh, to have a real filmmaker come in here uh, in there and make that movie. You know the scene where the bluesmobile falls apart. And uh, at the at Cook County building, and we're about to run in. Uh, he just cuts away to two statues there, you know, ruminating, yes. looking down. Just that. So the work of a master. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, I was doing my homework last night about uh, the Blues Brothers. I was looking at the cast, and you were young. You were twenty eight, I believe. But I was com- 27 when we started. I was completely blown away that Matt Guitar Murphy was 51. <laughs> That's insane because he if, looked 30. The whole band looked to be mm-hmm. about 30 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the at the time. Mm-hmm. Steve Cropper and uh, Donald Duck Dunn and all that. And the idea that Matt Guitar Murphy, who looked to be in better shape than everyone in the cast, he was he, he worked out, you know, he he, <laughs> he, he pushed uh, weights. Was in his fifties yeah. when he did that. I was, comp- I mean, yeah. that's the greatest black don't crack example on the on the planet. Uh, G- Garrett Morris is another one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. He looked the same age as everyone. And I have a friend named Bobby Rush. He's like he's getting up to almost a hundred years old. The singer, Bobby, yes, singer, harp player, dancer, composer, writer, superstar. Uh, you know, veteran of the Chitlin circuit. Oh, I love Bobby. Love him. Yeah. So another example. He's so youthful and so handsome. And yeah, God, it was. You know, I'm, the Blues Brothers. This John was superb in that film, Blue Sheet. The, the scene where we leave the country and western bar, and we haven't paid for the beer, and well, and and so John's little speech walking across the 
Sir, well, I usually, you know, I go and I, I the way we do this is I, I go to my brother's car and I take out my checkbook and I put it on the, something like that. You put he, it on the dashboard. Put, and I, now, you and put I, it on the, dash, the, 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 the lid the, of the glove box. The lid of the glove box. That's and then, where yeah, I make my checks that's out. That's where I, yeah, I make my checks out and I put it, you know, and, he, and it's so meticulous. And then we get in and he, he was just beautiful the way he played that scene. And uh, so and then we take off. And uh, yeah, that, that movie I'm proud of. That's a, that's a triple A uh, I'm not it, happy it's, about that one. Well, I mean, there's plenty of funny movies, and there's plenty of serious movies, but there's not as many important movies. To me, that was an important movie. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was my take on it, even even at first blush. Hmm. Um, so it must have been hard to make. Uh all movies. <laughs> yeah, but this make. concept is sort of bizarre to explain to a studio. Oh, you'd never make it today. They would say, uh, excuse me, what? Catholic? Uh, what? Uh, wait a minute. Hold on. Wrecking so many cars and what? Well, no. Practically, no CGI. I don't know. No, they wouldn't They wouldn't do it. Uh, by the way, I should uh, definitely throw out a plug. Crystalheadvodka.com is where you go for about the purest vodka you're ever going to put in your gullet uh it's delicious i believe so i really do believe so i wouldn't wouldn't come in here and uh, tell you a lie about that because there's no fusel oils in it no glycerin no sugar no lemonine at all uh, a lot of other products uh, do it to mask the smell and scent of alcohol open that up it smells just clean ethyl alcohol and it's made in canada and i'm quite proud of it and and purity is a good word you can use for it and uh I just uh, wanted to build something better for the home bar. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, our bottles are unique, made by John Alexander. They can search engine him. Uh, he's a Texas uh, sculptor and painter, one of my best friends. We met when uh, uh, my uh, beautiful girlfriend dumped me for him. Really? Yeah, in 74. Rosie Schuster, the writer on Saturday Night Live. Was your girlfriend? She was, yeah, yeah. And she dumped uh, and, you and for And she dumped him? me for John Alexander and then... Uh, then John and I became good friends and started this company. So that's our bone bottle. That's corn, uh, peaches and cream corn. Uh, their black uh, is uh, made out of blue ever agave that uh, is made uh, from the plant that tequila is made out of. Now, we've, there's no other tequila, uh, no other vodka made out of uh, the tequila plant that we know of. So you could do anything you want, uh, mar- margaritas or that with it. It's very long and earthy. And uh, the corn, again, is uh, is uh, dry, crisp, vanilla, sweet. And then we got the wheat bottle there, uh, the iridescent bottle. That's sunset wheat. That's more of a peppery, anise kind of flavor. And you'd have uh, a good margarita out of that. And then our spatter or uh, our pride bottle at that season of the world, of the year. Which, you know, we should all be proud all the time. But at this uh, pride season of the year, we do... We do uh, uh, in June, we do uh, uh, bottles. And uh, that was one that... Uh, we did a survey, and there was a contest, and uh, that design was come up with. Uh, it's very Jackson Pollock and kind of uh, yeah. uh, Jasper Johns. Yeah, it's a, yeah. these. Uh, there's a lot of vodka out there, but this is a conversation piece. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean. This the isn't. Crystal, yeah, this isn't for drinking in the park alone out of a bag. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, you could. I would say you can drink it. With five people, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm saying. I think that's a. Is there a park and is there a bag and there's one, two, three, four, five. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, and it's good because I put it on ice. I was drinking it all uh, all Monday night at the at the event. Yeah, it's tasty. It's tasty. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud of it. I really am. It's made in Canada. I love going around the world and saying that I like Canada, where I was born. 
and where I live part of the part of the year. And uh, you know, it's great to be living in the Western world. You know, there's an old blues song. Oh, this world is in an uproar. Things all going wrong. The way the Reds is cutting up. We ain't gonna be here long. I'm gonna dig myself a hole. Move my baby down underground. When I come up, ain't gonna be no wars around. Had a friend from Israel in the other day uh, from Tel Aviv. He stayed at the farm. And he said, Dan, what is it like to live in a land where there's no war? I, this question, here I am, you know, in my 1932 uh, Pierce Arrow 1604 limousine, uh, driving him you know, for a little ride. And, and, 16 and, cylinder. Uh, no, 12. But they, oh, 12. They, uh, Pierce didn't make it 16, but the Cadillac. Cadillac did, did a 16. And, and I believe Packard did as well. Yes. But and here I am driving through the bucolic countryside and in the are we car. in Canada? Yeah, or in we Canada. In the we're in Canada. Mm-hmm. In Canada, I'm in the this summer. I'm in the Pierce. We're driving to the drugstore to get an ice cream, and and he tells, "What is it like to live in a world without in a country without war?" And I, oh, I thought, boy, do I think take things for granted, you know, around yeah. this place. Well, you know, unfortunately, the way we're wired is. When we're out of real problems, we just find problems and call them problems. <laughs> we're we're on a constant quest for problems, but our problems are not the world's problems, and they would love to have our problems. Let's say our, I mean U.S. and in Canada. So we just move on to, oh, we got a male who's a biological male and he's swimming against females, and that's 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 our war. That you know, we us. we we create, we'll find it. Yeah, it's it's a, the you know rich Beverly Hills housewife syndrome. Oh, what a disaster today was! Mm-hmm, the the mm-hmm, pedicure mm-hmm. and the manicure van that came by was twenty minutes late, and then the sushi was dry. It's horrible. Yeah, but that's what these are real crises. Crises to real people. Yeah, it helps distract, I suppose. Uh, but we, I think, God, what are we going to do? We just have to have positive eyes out there, the cone of positivity, and we have to. Get with like minds to uh, to try to do something about about all of us, um, and uh, and and just be kinder to, to everywhere to, in humankind. I don't I I I don't know if we're going to require some kind of Deus ex machina intervention from somewhere to smarten us human humans up because we're a pretty heinous species right now, generally. Well, as you and I were talking about off the air, and as I've brought up a million times, I never thought in the year 2023 we'd be dealing with human trafficking and tunnels under borders and, you know, terrorism and and fentanyl, fentanyl. and, and you know, squalor and poverty. And I, I thought we'd be flying around in George Jetson's, you know, car and every, we'd be in some everyone would be wearing a Mylar jumpsuit. And it'd be some sort of utopia. Because well, war was behind Florida. us, yeah. uh, hoverboards, I guess. Yeah, there are you know there are pockets of the world where that are at peace, and that are there is harmony. Uh, you know, Santa Monica, California, harmony, peace, joy by the sea. It's beautiful there. Beautiful houses and beautiful shops and and lovely wide boulevards and sixty thousand homeless. Uh, right. So, the underside and the overside will all, always always be there. Uh, we're living in, frankly, medieval times. Uh, you go, I, I drive very carefully in the car. I don't drive at person hours at night, have a gated place to, to live, lock up at night, bring my family close. Uh, whereas, what I really, I would like to take my family and let them run in the park at, at, at one in the morning. Yeah, uh, with uh, a bag no. and a bottle. Well, well hopefully, yeah. 
But no. No. You know, what, you, you, we have to be so, so guarded now. Well, what we're living in, especially in California, is you have Jay-Z and Beyonce buy $200 million house in Malibu. Mm-hmm. But in order to get there, you have to drive through a homeless encampment. They got a deal, by the way. It's worth 700 So, <laughs> so. so and that's where we're at, which yeah. is ultra rich and then people just expiring on the streets yeah. and squalor. Well, thankfully, knowing people like that, they're going to drive through their driveway, see that, and immediately start to act to try to alleviate and help in some way because that's the kind of people they are. Um, uh, there are other owners of $200 million mansions in the world that, uh, that I don't think would th- think the same way. So I was reading up on you and I saw uh, Asperger's syndrome and I saw some, That's a some self-diagnosis. Tourette. I was never... All right. That, that's, I, that's me That's me going, well, why do I do this sometimes? And why do I do that? And, and, and reading books and that. But I've had no medical uh, uh, opinion for, formally. Uh, I've had no one, uh, you know, have never had a doctor say it to me. It's just a, it's no. I I know. I've been described. I've had it foisted on me, but mm-hmm. I've I've never had been diagnosed officially. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you can officially totally diagnose it. But I have some questions for you. Do you have hypervigilance disorder? Um, I am vigilant. I am aware. Um, I. Uh but I don't think I'm hypervigilant or paranoid, but I'm definitely aware of surroundings, of vehicles, of being f- uh, followed sometimes, uh, aware that, <clears throat> make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, walking in a big city, someone clocks me because of <clears throat> my profile or they know the face. I immediately become aware of that and I'm ready for the encounter, whether gentle or not. Right. <clears throat> no, I, I have that too. It's not paranoia. It's just a sort of noticing of everything. Oh, and I think I tell my daughters always, you know, be aware of where you are, where, where you, what you've come, who's watching you as you go from your door to your car, what car is familiar the next day, is, there, is it that one always there, is that a neighbor or, you know, and when you, when you go in at night, you know, get in quickly, lock the door, don't dawdle with the groceries and, you know, and be, be aware. But one <clears> of the <throat> things that I've realized when I talk to people who have this sort of hypervigilance thing um, the, one of the markers for it is sleep. It's oh. when you sleep, do you have to have some white noise going? Do you have to have an eye shade on? Does the room have to be cool and dark? Because I know people can just fall asleep on any airplane on their back. Jimmy Belushi, there he is. Flip flops in commercial, tiny little bag, dog. Now he travels with and the and the and the eye shades. And he can do it right just like that. I, I, I Envious. No, no, yeah. But what about you? Uh, cool and dark, for sure. I like that much better. Um, I don't have to have the white noise. Don't, need, don't want any clock radios near me. Uh, usually a good book mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, will, will, will put, me, put me out. You know? uh, so you don't need like, the ceiling fan going even during the no, wintertime. No, I don't time. like fans. And in fact, that, uh, you know, that was a big contention in my marriage with, with Donna. Was, uh, you don't like fans. I don't like and fans. Or air conditioning seats from the south, southern girl. Loved them. And, I, and that, uh, we had a lot of squabbles over that. I'd turn it off when she'd go to sleep. Then she'd wake <laughs> up and put it back on. This you know, is a, I got to say this an all-time first. And the reason is, is guys normally get married to the fan and women <laughs> say it's too cold. Mm. I've never seen the, the script flip. No, not for Miss Donna. No way. No way. No, no. But I, I do like uh, 
I do like a book, and I like quiet and dark and cool. And I am so fortunate that uh, even with the multiple times that I arise to urinate at night, I can get right back to REM Delta within, you know, a minute or two. And I have deep, beautiful REM Delta episodes, 45 minutes to 50 Sometimes a little longer, you know, many ones spurt. And I, I wake up and I feel extremely rested uh, because when you know, you know, when you're dreaming, you're, you're in REM delta. You're, you're out when you're dreaming. You're, you know, you could put a pin and, and, and they wouldn't, they, you wouldn't feel it. So uh, let's, uh, let's go back uh, with you a little bit. Um, what do you think you're going to be doing when you're in high school? What's the plan if there is a plan? In high school, like... If, yeah, when you were in high school... When I was in high school. Yeah. What did you think you'd be doing for a living? Oh, well, uh, I was uh, I was studying... Well, I, I didn't really know in high school. I'd done, done some plays, and I'd done some theater, and, and it was fun and that. But I knew that's... You can't make a living at doing show business, not if you're in Ottawa. There's no way to make a living in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And now that's changed. There's a big film industry up there, and... Lots of actors and, and a big community, but then there were very few outlets. I did plays. I worked with Ottawa Little Theatre, but I thought, you know, as a profession, how? No. So I worked and apprenticed at the uh, Solicitor General of Canada um, Penitentiary uh, Service uh, as a clerk. And I looked at Carleton University, and I looked at some of the courses, Abnormal Psych, Deviant Psych. So I thought I was really, I was, uh, I was headed towards a career in corrections, Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, probably would have ended up as a, a low-grade prison guard, uh, you know, drinking with my buddies, uh, you know, at, at the local tavern and, and going into work and trying to get through the hell of working in a, uh, in a, in a federal prison. And was the comedy always kind of in you, but you just hadn't realized it? And, uh, and the environment wasn't conducive oh, to realizing it, it? No, it was. My parents were very funny, and there was always humor there. And I did take some improv classes, and I had very funny friends in high school who were great influences on me, really absurdists and, you know, monologists. And uh, I, I took a lot of the characters out of high school and sort of, you know, and, and uh, used them kind of later on. Uh, just in terms of the rhythm of speech. And my uncles were very funny. You know, do you know that Great Outdoors, the movie I made with Candy? Sure. Yeah. So that character, Roman Craig, is my Uncle Peter and my Uncle Andy. But that's, you know, that. They chop like, like Burt Lancaster. They, they, they chop, chop the words like that. <laughs> There's always, if something's going to come out of the mouth, it's going to be precision. There, you're going to hear it, they'll be, it'll be loud. You know, make sure they're heard. You know, that you could say, can, can you make sure I'm heard or. Can you pass the salt? Pass the salt and get it over here now. You know, it's that, that clipped, uh, you know, so. I, I recently saw Uncle Buck for some reason about two weeks ago, and I thought, I miss John Candy. There's mm. certain performers, you never want anyone to go before their time, but there are certain ones I don't need. John Candy, when he passed, I was like, oh, I mean, look, uh, the two Johns, Belushi and Candy. Those guys were like, oh, man, I'm going to miss these guys. There, there's a lot of work ahead of those guys. I know. I know. I, I, uh, I think about it often. Um, Did you know John Candy well? Oh, yeah. We made The Great Outdoors. And also, he was with the Blues Brothers. If you'll remember, he played Burton Mercer, the parole officer. And oh, oh, oh. He was the guy. Let's see. The parole he wanted, officer. 
Yeah, Orange Whip. Orange Whip. Orange Whip. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we did Second City together in Toronto. So we were very old friends. In fact, when we, the first day we met, uh, he was a Kleenex salesman for Kimberly Clark. Turned out he was a clothes master of clothes. He looked. He was always turned out beautifully. You know, the, the beige blazer and the beige, you know, pants and brown shoes and the beige Pontiac Laurentian to match, you know, and he sold Kleenex for Kimberly Clark. And on the first day we met, and I was a mail uh, truck driver in Toronto, so we were both, uh, you know, working in other things that uh, that we didn't think would lead into show business. But then we auditioned for Second City that and got into that first Toronto company with Gilda Radner, Jerry Salzberg, Eugene Levy, and then eventually Catherine O'Hara. Our teachers were Joe Flaherty and Brian Doyle Murray. Wow. Yeah. And did you always see something in him like you went, oh, this guy's, he's got the goods? Oh, no. Everyone loved Aunt Candy, as we used to call him. He was, uh, he was such a great host. Uh, you know, he'd be, you know, he'd be the one to leave the humbugs like your aunt have out at Christmas, you know, the little candies and, you know, mm-hmm. always offering, soliciting a drink, you know, get a drink for you. Uh, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Toronto, Johnny LaRue, for sure. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, he, you know, we all, we always started in sort of, you know, at, at the, you know, the, the day we met doing voices and people from our past and, and, uh, you know, we were of like mind and, uh, and went on to a great friendship until he died because he had a congenital heart defect. Plus he, he did like to, to drink, but, uh, it wasn't so much that it was the, the, the thing that killed his dad very early. Did you um, did you have that same kinship when you first met with uh, John Belushi? Did you feel like oh, like when I met Jimmy Kimmel, I was like oh, this guy's the guy. I know I got a great buddy, I gotta, great pal. I got to stay close to oh, this that's guy. Great. That's and great. and I recognized it in him, that's, even though I was I was a it's carpenter. Love. Let's be honest, it's love. I mean, uh, yeah, 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 you love him. And he I do, you, and he loves you. Yes. <clears throat> what a great thing to have a friend like that. But I didn't, I didn't feel that with a lot of people. I meet yeah. a lot of people, and I go, okay, this is not going to go on forever. No, I, I, it's the three, it's the three to ten minute rule. You give them three to ten minutes, and uh, you know if they can engage, you, you know you don't feel engaged by then, then they, they should move on with their lives. Right. So we had a mutual feeling, even though he wasn't doing much. He was doing sports, local sports mm-hmm. on a FM radio station out here. And I was doing nothing. I wasn't in show business at all. I was a boxing coach. But we met each other and we we're like, this is something and we got to do something with this. And and if you're lucky enough, you'll have a few of those in your life. Yeah. Was it that yeah. with Belushi? It was. It was. Uh, first night I met him, it was a blizzard, February Second City Fire Hall. Uh, we heard legendary Belushi coming up to recruit for National Lampoon. He wanted to get Gilda to go down there to the radio show. And uh, so we hosted him at Second City. And the first moment I saw him, he opened the door to the alley. He flung the door open, walked in, completely inadequately dressed for the uh, weather in a cable knit sweater and a silk scarf, scarf around his neck and a a driver's cap, that octagonal tag, Lee J. Cobb type driver's cap, you know, that you see in the old movies, and and uh, jeans and <clears throat> white snake sneakers and a pack of butts in his hand and smoking one. And uh, he, he made an entrance uh, such as uh, a great actor should enter a room. And, uh, you know, as impactful as I'm sure he would have wanted it to be, even though he wasn't conscious of it being impactful. And uh, then that night, I think he did all some favorites. He hit the wall. He did... Uh, 
he yeah the angel he did uh, he did cocker i think and he did lee j cobb he did a lot of great stuff that we'd heard about that he'd done in chicago and uh, <clears throat> we that very night went back to my after hours club at 505 queen street east the speakeasy and there was a record there playing uh, Straight Up by Downchild Blues Band. And he asked me, so, oh, that's, that's really good music. I said, well, John, you're from Chicago. You, you know about blues. He said, yeah, that, but that vocalist is good and that harp and that, you know. And, uh, and I said, well, it's, it's, it's blues, just good old blues. He said, I'm into heavy metal, you know, mainly, you know, Grand Funk and, and Cream. And I said, well, that all comes from the blues, as you know. And, he, yeah, he, and he really listened to that record. And by God, we came up with the Blues Brothers ver- that very night. Like, well, we should put a band together. I said, you sing. I play a little harp. You know, come on. Let's. And by the time I got to Chicago, uh, to New York to do SNL, he had a stack of records that come up high as the desk here. And he started to do his research. Into and, the uh, blues. Into the blues. And so from that, we built, uh, built the act. So, so the very first night we met, we got to see his comedy firsthand and get to know the guy and come up. Concoct the Blues Brothers, so that was pretty. What sold him brutal. on on you? Did he... um, I think the love of the music and just the kind of anarchy of the way I lived. I lived below this speakeasy on a main street, five hundred five Queen uh, had a store window <clears throat> there, and uh, so we ran that we ran the bar wide open, like right people you could look in and see. You know, a bar, a full open, unlicensed bar running there. And I, I slept downstairs uh, and sometimes upstairs. And, and, and just uh, just the people we had coming and going, the artists, the scene, uh, he liked that. And uh, I, I think he saw also kind of um, a, a soul and a creative spirit that maybe le- needed a little guidance and rescuing, you know. So, and that was me. Well, I want to talk about uh, the formation of the Blues Brothers and the band and Booker T and the MGs and all that stuff. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with Dan Aykroyd right after this. Simply Safe. There's no wrong time to protect your home, but uh, this fall, well, that's an especially good time because you can get up to 50% off a brand new Simply Safe home security system. Best home security system of 2023, so says U.S. News and World Report. We've always used these guys. Uh, They've been with us for a million years. They're a great company. Stuff works. Very ergonomic. Set it up yourself. And it's fast. 24-7 professional monitoring. Under a buck a day. Half the cost of traditional home security systems. Money back. Guarantee. You get a 60-day risk-free trial. If you don't love it, return your entire system. For a full refund and for a limited time, save 50% off of any new system with Fast Protect Plan. Visit Simply Safe. That's right. SimplySafe.com. Two eyes in there. SimplySafe.com slash Adam. Get that 50% off. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let me tell you about Meter. The holidays are here and we get to stuff our faces and we get to shop. So. I got a must-have tool for you. If you love cooks and you love cooking and there's a cook in your life, well, this is the perfect gift. Meter, smart meat thermometer, tracks the temperature of your meat and lets you know when it's ready to come out of the oven, the smoker, the air fryer, or the grill. That's right. It's a beautiful piece of technology. It's, uh, I mean, we've all overcooked stuff and it's too dry and undercooked stuff and everyone got botulism. None of that with meter. Now, 
Don't overcook. Don't undercook. Get that turkey just right. And what about that holiday prime rib? That's right. Meter comes with cloud service for limited range, and you can monitor and cook while watching TV or even running to the store. You can keep an eye on what you're doing. You have to keep walking back and forth and checking it. It's a perfect tool for holiday cooking. It's a perfect gift. It's Meter, right, Dawson? Shop Meter.com for the best kitchen tool out there and make this season stress-free. Use it for your holiday cooking or start shopping for your Christmas gifts. That's M-E-A-T-E-R.com. It's time for Nicaraguan Name That Movie with Adam's buddy Oswaldo. See if you can guess which movie this famous line is from. What a mission for God. If you said the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. You're correct. Now, back to the show. Dan Aykroyd is in <laughs> studio. Crystal Head Vodka is uh, a wonderful product that uh, Dan has uh, created. And I'm here to tell you it's the real deal because I sampled my share of it at the uh, at the party, the uh, Magic Castle the other night. So it's wonderful. And you can go to crystalheadvodka.com and uh, treat yourself. So I was doing a little research and I was I didn't know that the Blues Brothers had the Booker team and some of the Booker team, the MGs in it and so i was looking up uh steve cropper and um donald duck yeah Yeah, done and um and so then how did it how did you cherry pick those guys that how did it how did the band form and 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 these are some of the best musicians in the world well particularly uh, Cropper and Dunn were otis redding's guitar players and they played on all of the stacks volt hits Mm mm-hmm so uh, Schaefer and Malone and I and Ruben uh, and Paul John, Schaefer, yeah, Paul Schaefer. Basically, the, they were the first sort of house band when we warmed up the audience uh, first couple of times. We we all we we walked in the door with the concept. We already had the the uniforms. We already had what we we're going to do. The concept of front men fronting great musicians. Schaefer, Ruben, Malone, and M- Marini. Um, we're, we're the band at that point. And then Malone said, you guys, you know, you should get in touch with Cropper and Dunn. And, and I'm, yeah, like, wait a minute, hold, Cropper and Dunn of Stax Volt, like they're going to want to have anything to do with, with us? And, and Malone said, oh, yeah, they know that you're doing this with veneration for the venerables and the veterans. They know you're doing this out of respect and love for the music uh, and a desire to showcase it and revive it in some sense. And they're two of the best guitar players in the world. Reach out. <clears throat> we did. And they joined us. And that really made the Blues Brothers happen as a, as a coalesced entity to have Duck Dunn driving the band with his bass <clears throat> in concert with Steve Jordan, our 19-year-old drummer at the time, who was now the Stones drummer. Oh, he is now. Yeah. So to have those two driving the band with... Uh, Steve on rhythm and lead guitar, and then Matt Murphy on on essentially you know Chicago blues lead. We had a Memphis Chicago fusion band that well it 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 couldn't be stopped for until John died. We were still doing stuff, and we were going to do more. Yeah, they. Um, <clears throat> by the way, 
I don't know if they're great actors, but they pulled it off in the movie. They, they all, did. They all absolutely they did. pulled in, it in, off. In both movies. Yes. And the second one is a small G, good, com- uh, comparable product to the to the first. Uh, because the, the soundtrack of the second one is quite outstanding. Erica Badu is worth the price of admission. And um, there were a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in that too, and they uh, they pulled off the acting, and they look, they came back and they looked the same. And by the way, Fat Me looked the same as well in that movie. <clears throat> so, I, I did lose the weight, and I I, I I look I hold the two of them up, and I go not bad. Yeah, for many years later, however it was. Um, <clears throat> so John passed out here in Los Angeles, and yeah, Bungalow Three at the Chateau Marmont, eighty two. What's yeah, that? 82, March, 80. uh, March 5th, 82. 82. Yeah, I remember. I remember where I was. I remember when um, John well, I, Lennon I died, sure and I remember mm. when Belushi died. <clears throat> I was on stage with Marshall Tucker Band when Lennon I Heard it in the love song. Is mm. that his song? Heard uh, it in the love song. Yeah, I think so. Song. For some reason, I got up to play harp, and, mm. and, and I walked off stage, and Ron Delsner, the great promoter, said, you know, John Lennon's been shot. And, of course, you think, John Lennon, well, he's a god. He'll right. Whatever they shot him with, it'll, they'll, they'll pluck it out, and he'll be walking around. That, just because he was shot doesn't mean he dies. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And in Belushi, of course, I remember when I heard about that, I was writing Ghostbusters at our office in New York very early one morning there. And uh, uh, Bernie Brillstein called, and... And told, told me what had happened, and uh, and then I thought, oh, I got to get to Judy right away. I can't have her hearing this on the radio, the TV, or seeing it in a newspaper. So I I ran from Twentieth uh, Street down to Morton Street, down Fifth Avenue, and I ran over to to Judy, and I had to had to tell her, um, which was one of those you know moments, a crystalline moment again that uh, it that took courage, and. Uh, that will remain with me forever, but it had to be done. I, I couldn't have the media telling her first. I, she, you know, it was back when there was some lead time before the evening not news. Not much, or the, I'll tell you. I ran well, not up, much, but uh, not Twitter. Uh, I mean, uh, now uh, it's no, no, right of course, there. of course, that right. But the newspapers had already hit the sidewalk. I ran by, and there, Belushi dead at thirty-three, right there in a bundle of the the Daily News. Wow, or the New York Post. But right she there. hadn't seen it. No, yet. she hadn't seen it. No, thank God. Were they, they're married, right? Oh, uh, childhood sweethearts, high school sweethearts. How did she, what was her reaction? Well, you know, a big part of her world ended, but she's strong, uh, and she always was strong and still strong today. Um, And uh, she just picked up his legacy and uh, helped to keep the thing alive and uh, went on to to meet a new guy and uh, and get close to his family and... uh, her strength and I think her Midwestern style resilience and also, in a way, she sort of knew it was coming or, or there was going to be a disaster related to his appetites. Uh, and there was maybe a bit of mental preparation that uh, that she had for it. But uh, it's, it was a rough one. You can How? Imagine. You were writing Ghostbusters. For him. Oh, he was going to be. I was writing a line for him. Writing a line writing, for Belushi, uh, writing when you a heard. line. Well, yeah, yeah. For the for yeah. What part was he going to play? Uh, he was just going to be, you know, one of the, you know, one of the the poor schlumps that has to go out and do this horrible uh, extermination job. Just you know, one of four of us. We would have found he would have found his voice. I was really, really just writing a template uh, for him, and then we were, of course, going to find uh, we'd, we'd find our voice there as, as we began to to work on it. I was waiting for him to come back to New York. 
Man, writing an actual line for mm. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was supposed to come back that, that next week. Um, but uh, I have. Yeah, that's, you know, that's uh, the fentanyl today is what's destroying so many people. And, uh, oh, yeah. And, and, and no, nobody cares. The, the people who ship it up here, they don't, they don't care. But he had a, uh, it was a cocaine heroin mix speedball, they call it. Uh, and that uh, because he'd been drinking and he was smoking and he's, his, his, you know, his respiratory was weakened a little bit. Uh, and, you know, the woman who injected him uh, did not mean to kill him any more than I did. I mean, uh, we don't, uh, you know, it was not, a, you know, not something she wanted to happen. It's just a, a, a tragedy and uh, a result of, uh, of, of drugs of that order being the currency of the day, which they were back then. Powders and pills were strong, you know. Mandrax and Quaaludes and, and yeah, people those. didn't even really think cocaine was bad for you back no, then. No, they'd break it out at every party. Yeah, it was sort yeah. of a it's today still. Yeah, I guess it's today big still. today still. But a lot of heart attacks and stuff in hospital rooms from that today. You know, I uh, I have a Ghostbusters question. Yeah. Oh, you're so uniquely qualified to answer this because um, now Dawson, you got to find the Barquets. <laughs> song so um so uh reitman he directed ghostbusters he, he did and and helped write it uh and uh, produced it yeah i worked on a project with uh reitman and jimmy kimmel for a while and i found reitman to be tough oh one of the toughest I like old time movie mogul like pretty much got in your face sort of told you you know, he he would tell me and Jimmy, uh, you know, go change this in the script and go change that and then meet me up at my house in Santa Barbara and we'll go over it. And um, we'd come back and he'd go, did you change this and change that? And we'd go, well, we'd worked a little bit. And he'd go, why are you fucking wasting my time? <laughs> Jesus Christ, what are we doing here? I mean, he would literally start yelling at us in his in his Well, office. he was paying for your services. He was. He was, he was sponsoring your... Your vision, and uh, we didn't but, take but, offense to it, but I, I realized this guy's tough. Well, he was, in a, he, uh, you know, and uh, I, I hope he's he's resting in a realm that we we'll, we can reach him soon. Um, he was, he was, uh, you know, he, he was exacting and um, and meticulous, uh, and no one could feel an audience better in terms of cutting a movie or 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 putting putting a movie together. Uh, no one could feel an audience comedy nerves better than than ivan um no no he was classic old school uh louis b mayor uh you know type uh, executive uh and mogul yeah so the question that i was gonna that you're uniquely qualified to answer which is i know huey lewis well mm-hmm. and i know there was the whole lawsuit with ray parker jr right. and then i want a new drug and yeah. i guess they went to huey first first song and he didn't provide it, so Ray Parker did one, and then there was a lawsuit because Ray Parker's uh, Ghostbusters sounded something like "I want a new drug." Uh, it did. It, uh, there were there's yeah there's certain uh, let's see uh, figures in there we would say that uh, that that were exactly like uh, "Want a New Drug," and they settled. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now my feeling is is um, my sweet lord and he's so fine <laughs> don't sound the same to me. That mm-hmm. was another famous well those lawsuit. two they, they, there was a similarity there. Ah, uh, you think I, so? Ah, I, I, I believe so. And uh, and and the you know there was a settlement. Uh, uh, so and, and Huey we, Lewis was uh, was basically paid as if he would have had a sample in there. I think. 
Now you got to find. Sorry, the that doesn't Ray take Parker away Junior. Yeah, it doesn't take away from the from the the Ghostbusters hit. No, it was a huge hit. And and Ray is so talented. He's one of the best guitarists I've ever heard in my life. Ray Parker. Yeah, Ray Parker. Um, but I think long before this, the Barkays had a song that sounded more like. Ghostbusters really? than I want a new drug. Have oh, you what? ever heard that? No. What song is that? Well we'll I listen to, we'll listen to Ghostbusters first. Do you know the Barquet's hit? I don't know a Barquet's song that sounded like this. Uh, well, like I said. Okay, now let's listen to the Barquet's song. Oh, Soul Finger, Soul Finger. Yeah. Well, the voices in the back of the chorus certainly are similar. Yeah, you I, could think say they, that, I think they do a soul finger yeah. like a ghost buster. Yeah, that's right. I think definitely inspiration there. I don't know about the the guitar track. Maybe it's that, you know, it's Ghostbusters slowed down a bit or something. But, uh, oh, definitely the inspiration of the, the chorus and, and them shouting like that, you know. Uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, I could see where he would have drawn inspiration there, sure. So I was always like, sorry, Huey, but... <laughs> But the Barquets have a song called Soulfinger that predates I Want a New Drug by 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, sounds like but the, closer the, to I don't, the, 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 he, Ghostbusters. The Huey, Huey's song didn't have the chorus in it. Yeah. It did? The Huey's song? I don't... Want a New Drug? I, I don't think it did. I don't think it did either. I don't know if you but know But it definitely Huey, had that same guy. rhythmic guitar uh, pattern that, uh, that, that we had in Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah. I'm still going Barquets. Certainly on the chorus in they the back. They probably could have yeah. used the money more than Huey. Indeed. <laughs> See, yeah, uh, here you get into the similarity. Yeah, I think the big problem is is they went to Huey first. If they went to the Barquets first, then maybe the Barquets mm-hmm. would have would have a case. Yeah, but it's haunted me. For many a year, and I'm glad you're here to. Well, hear it. it was such a giant hit, and it's such a great song that you know. I my view is, however, it came together, and Huey did get compensated, uh, although the Barquets didn't. And you, <laughs> you know, you would have them. Uh, it it uh, it sort of overrode any concerns and just went on to be something that is instantly associated with uh, with a good time. How's uh, Bill Murray? I don't know if you know him well. The Murray yeah, the Murricane. Um, I find him so interesting. You yeah. and 6.8 other billion people on this planet. Yes. But yeah. is there something we don't know about him? He, is, he deserves your, your interest and your, um, your uh, sense of uh, him being an enigma and a uh, sense of him, you know, being unpredictable uh, your, uh, you know, your, uh, any kind of uh, opaque view you have him uh, of him, it's all justified. He, you know, whether you're, you know, however you view him, uh, he is, 
you know, he's all of everything. He's all of those things. He's like Sai Baba. He's all of that, and that is that. Yeah. Well, I he's a he's a he's a demigod. I I believe. I think he's demi divine. Honestly, really. Yes. And I I get to hang with him from time to time. Um, but uh, as I say, just whatever your perceptions are of, of Billy, uh, you know, uh, whether good or bad or beautiful or alarming uh, in your interactions with him or perceptions of him, public persona and work, the way you've enjoyed his work over the years, it's all genuine. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a giant talent and uh, really fun to be with because it's, it's a hurricane. It's, uh, you know. A whirlwind, and uh, he would give you the not only the shirt but the skin off your back, off his back, uh, the wow. skin off his back. He would give you the skin off his back. Yeah. So, so um, early days of uh, SNL, we, did you guys feel like it was uh, almost week to week? There, nothing had been established. You know, now they're on year forty or something. But I mean, at the beginning, they're at they're at fifty. Fifty. Yeah. Right. Next year, uh, twenty twenty five. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, was were you guys? You didn't have that feeling of security, did you? No, indeed not. Uh, I I didn't know whether it would last uh, past the first three shows. But wisely, Lauren said, "No, I'm not going to do one pilot or two or three. I need seven. Mm-hmm. I need seven. So by him holding to get the seven, by then, once that seventh show happened, uh, then uh, uh, you know it was realized that it was it was going to work." But up until then, none of us knew, and Lauren, I don't think even knew, because uh, you don't know in that in that business. He was, you could say, he was pretty sure mm-hmm. of himself and his ability to pull it off, and uh, you know, so he asked for seven and that and got that, and that kind of, you know, set it up. If, if there had been only one show or two, I don't know, I don't know what would have happened. When you left, was it just because you want to broaden your horizons, you want to do features and that sort of stuff? No, purely Blues Brothers. We had to finish the movie. That was that was the, the, the sole reason we left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because we, we had, we had a, a lovely time in Chicago that summer. And then come fall, we're still shooting. And there's work to be done in the stages out in Universal. And we just couldn't do both. Uh, and so uh, it was time to... It was time to leave, but that's that is the sole reason. Not really to do movies or to get into that uh, business. Uh, it, it wasn't why you know we, we we left, other than specifically to finish that one movie, uh, and then see where things went from there. But our our sole focus was just getting that uh, done and, and out. So we couldn't do couldn't do both. And you guys then toured after that. We did. We we uh, we toured by car. And by uh, one of Elvis's planes, an old Convair 880 that he had. Really? Uh, yeah. We what was the interior of that plane oh, like? It was, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of burgundy. Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. Casino, uh, you know, uh, Casino Nevada look. It, you know, I think it had been refitted since he used it. So we, we, we had a wonderful 20-city uh, tour uh, with the band. And we filled 10,000-seat houses and... Yeah, got to sing and play the music live, and yeah, it was. It and was, the album was—I don't know if it was number I, one, but it was a, definitely a hit. Uh, well, the first album, "Briefcase Full of Blues," was a number one album. It sold over four and a half million copies uh, back then. You know, Rihanna would be happy with those numbers today, uh, or maybe not, but close to it. You know, those were, you know, impressive numbers back then, and even today. 
Uh, because the album was good, because the record was good, the songs were good, the band was great. Um, people understood that, you know, uh, John and I were front men for this great band. Uh, Made in America was the tour record, and there's some great songs on there, too. Oh, you know, I had that album. Yeah. Now Dawson's got to find something I should have told him before. Well, going back to Miami is one of the, one of the greatest cuts I think we ever did. That's that that features the horns beautifully. I'll you know tell you one that features the horns beautifully. She caught the Katie. Yeah, Taj Mahal's tune. Yeah, Taj Mahal's tune. Sure. Yeah. I love that song. Mm-hmm. I love your version of that song. Mm-hmm. Um, this is some horn work here. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Well, that's uh, Tom Malone's arrangement, and Al Rubin, Lou Marini, and and Tom. Well, trombone, trumpet, sax, and... And John's vocals, he could sing, he could... He it, it sounded off. great in this yeah. song. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Played all the harp and everything. Some better than others. That's a good cut. And Cropper. Donald Duck. I mean, Steve, sorry. Yeah. I love the end horns because they do a mm. staccato hit thing. We're going to listen to the whole song. Yeah, he's yeah, a little Cocker there. A little Joe Cocker flavor in there. Mm-hmm. Wish you come and see me oh. oh, now's your time, Dan. Good tone, good tone. Yeah. And this is a deeper cut, but that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. Here comes the horns are coming again. Good keyboards, too. Schaefer. Oh, that's Schaefer. Oh, yeah. Did he tour with you guys? Yes, he did. God, he's great. But he didn't do the movie. I know. Yeah, because he was working with Guild on Broadway and he wouldn't leave. All right, big ending. Mm-hmm. 
There's the horns. Arrangement right. by Tom Malone. Great arrangement. Yeah. It opens the movie. Yeah. Joliet Prison. Yeah. And uh, last, uh, September before last, uh, Jimmy, John's brother, Brother Z, his long-lost Albanian brother that I found and now play with. Oh, Jim Belushi. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, great guy. So it's the legacy Elwood and the blood, Brother Z, mm-hmm. Brother Zuroshida. And we uh, played in the prison yard at Joliet Prison for about eight to 10,000 people who were spilled out in the parking lot at, at a beautiful concert at night uh, right there in the prison yard where we, sh- where we shot the movie. In the prison? In the prison yard when we shot the movie. Now it's abandoned. It's now a, oh, right. a tourist. Uh, it's like Under Alcatraz. construction for tourists, yeah. Um, but uh, wow, wow, what a night that was. Just beautiful. Kind of bring it all full circle there. Uh, we have quite an extensive tour uh, schedule coming up. We'll be playing in Oklahoma in July. Uh, in Atlanta uh, in January, in um, uh, Delaware in June, and uh, well, things we, we we just did at this big uh, gig in Nebraska at the Performing Arts Center there, and uh, it's great to be able to still you know play and uh, and act as cultural preservationists, which is what we are. Well, you certainly brought the blues to a young white guy from North Hollywood for sure. Because there was no blues culture in North Hollywood, California, where I grew up, and just mm-hmm. hadn't heard of any of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a in a way, that's uh, it's an accomplishment, but it's also a service. You know, what I mean, I wouldn't know she caught the Katie. <laughs> I just wouldn't go go that deep. I, I'm happy to say that I have people coming up to me all the time saying that you know that they picked up guitar or drums or harmonica, that they got into blues and they, they play in a blues band or they went on, to, went on to a career in blues, some of them quite well known. So, yeah, I guess we served it. We served in that way, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve. Mission from God, for sure. Still on it. Uh, because there are no blues stations other than Sirius uh, XM Radio. Yeah. You, yeah. There are no blues shows anymore. I had uh, almost 25 years of the House of Blues Radio Hour and Elwood Bla- uh, Blues Bluesmobile Hour. And I was able to sell tickets and records and talk the careers up of all these wonderful new artists coming up. I, I couldn't tell you now who's in their mid-20s and touring and playing because I'm, I lost my radio show. They turned it into country talk or something. <laughs> yeah, I remember when you picked up John from uh, the prison and he was pissed off that you'd uh, traded in the uh, bluesmobile. For a microphone. Well, once he heard it was a microphone, he was okay with it. Yeah, yeah. The Cadillac. <laughs> Trade the Cadillac for a microphone. That's right. Yeah. And he didn't like the lighter. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break. We've got one more segment with Dan Aykroyd, and we'll do that right after this. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Hey, I don't know if you guys know, but it's See Better Drive Safer Month now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. They have put a spotlight on items to help you see the road more clearly. All month long, receive gift cards after rebate on select wiper blades and bulbs. If your wiper blades are streaking and smearing, well, they're worn out. 
and they need to be replaced. But good news, you can get up to a $20 O'Reilly gift card after rebate with purchase of select wiper blades. Their professional parts people will install your new wiper blades and they'll do it for free. See the road better with new bulbs? Get up to a $15 O'Reilly gift card after rebate with the purchase of Sylvania Silver Star Ultra or select ZXE Twin Pack Bulbs. They'll even help you pick out the right bulb for your vehicle. Visit your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store for details. O'Rewards members receive two times O'Rewards points on select bulbs and up to four times points on cleaning supplies for your vehicle. Don't miss the See Better Drive Safer Month now at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store or shop online at O'ReillyAuto.com. Let me tell you about Angie, homeowners. You know, it's a lot of work to own a home. Whether it's uh, everyday maintenance, repairs, or dream projects, it can be hard to even know where to start. All you need is Angie. Your home for everything home. Find a skilled local pro who will deliver quality and experience. Over 20 years of home service experience. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie handles the rest. Look, you're busy. You don't have time to do all this stuff. Let Angie handle it. Take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit online. Visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A-N-G-I dot com. That's Angie. Let them do all the heavy lifting. The Adam Carolla Show presents Dan Aykroyd's birthday cocktail party for July 1st. Let's see who's invited. Let's welcome the American entrepreneur who founded Estee Lauder Cosmetics. Estee Lauder. Hey, the guy who sang Rockin' Robin is here. Bobby Day. Actor and award-winning director Sidney Pollack is here. Blues vocalist and harp player James Cotton just joined the party. From Blondie, Debbie Harry is here. From the B-52s, let's welcome Fred Schneider. Country singer Keith Whitley is here. Sprinter and Olympic gold medalist Carl Lewis just ran in. Pamela Anderson is here. Missy Elliott just showed up. Steven Tyler's daughter from The Lord of the Rings, Liv Tyler. And let's please welcome Princess Diana. Dan Aykroyd is on the Adam Carolla Show. Dan's got Crystal Head Vodka. It is pure. It is wonderful. And uh, I consume my fair share on a Monday night. Crystalheadvodka.com is where you go. I like that song, Rockin' Robin. Oh, yeah. That's a great 50s song. For sure. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't think I, I'm the most famous a, has, on there. What's that? I don't think I'm the most famous on there. I think, I think you are. Pamela Anderson and Sidney Pollock. Well, the, Pam more. Anderson is recognized from a name standpoint, but not so much from an accomplishment standpoint. Well, you know, uh, she's done a lot with, uh, you know, with what she was, how God equipped her. <laughs> yeah, and she's saying. a mom. and She's you know, a, mom. She's a mom. My mom is a mom. Who cares? She's a mom. And, uh, you know, she looked, she looked good and. Whenever she, you know, whatever she did, and uh, you know, she, 
big hit TV series. You're not helping her. Book. You're not helping her. You know, you're more uh, famous. You know, you're uh, more respected. Well, I, I don't know. I don't. I think she probably has more followers in, on internet yeah, wise. That's fame so, today. That's, so are the Kardashians. That's, well, that's fame. That's real fame today. I, it know. is, but it's. Well, we don't want fame. We want to do what we want for a it's living. It's hollow fame. We yes. Just, yeah, we just want to do what we like for a living. That's uh, the fame blessing. I don't care about. That's the blessing. It is. And you're doing it. I'm talking to yeah. you. You know, I was in, you know, 14, sitting in North Hollywood watching Saturday Night Live going, man, that guy. I recognize uh, well, your you. talent as a young person. I, I was just like, he's a little sharper. The uh, other people are, they're talented and they're doing these big, broad characters. But your stuff was concise as we started our conversation. And I just remember well, I, thinking, I, that, I, this I, guy's I, different. Well, I thank you. That's great. I kind of... I, I had a positive impact and maybe uh, influenced uh, you to do what you're doing today. No, not at all. That was Kimmel. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Rockin' Robin is one of the only rock songs with a with a piccolo solo. Really? I think it's a piccolo. I think there's a piccolo solo in this song. Yeah, yeah. And you tell me because you know the you know the instruments. Shares a birthday with this dude. I think Pam Anderson knows that. Well, she's a fellow Canadian. I gotta, you gotta stand up. Yeah, if you skip ahead like forty-five seconds, you'll hear a piccolo, a rockin' piccolo solo. Or is he whistling? Yeah. No, that's that's. I think that's a flute, not a piccolo. No, but you know. All right, Dawson. You know you Meredith Wilson, the great composer of Music Man. It took him seven years to write that amazing, wonderful musical, Music Man. Right, Meredith Wilson. Mm-hmm. And there was an old fable that he used to uh, tell people, and that was the king was so pleased with the music of his horn and coronet players. He said, bring me your horns and your instruments, your brass instruments, and I will fill them with gold. And Meredith Wilson said, the, uh, the musician in the story turned and looked away and said, and there I stood with my piccolo. You can't put oh, gold right. in a pickle. Right. <laughs> you, you might be able to roll up a dollar and <laughs> yeah. stuff it like you're the hooker's g-string or something. <laughs> I think that, yeah. But yeah, there's no room no for gold, change yeah. in a piccolo. No, no. Well, I don't know. If you can look it up, Dawson, maybe we can figure what it out. What I'm finding here is that uh, the first search says piccolo in quotes, which prompted me to say, okay, why is that in quotes? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... Uh, looking like it is a flute solo performed by famous saxophone player Plaz Johnson. Oh, wow. Okay. Plaz Johnson, that is a saxophonist name right there. Yeah, yeah. So for you, uh, maybe we're kindred spirits in this sense that I just want to do what I want to do. People, there's more money to be made doing one thing and kind of being known for that one thing. And, you know, but, but the blessing for what 
the business we're in is you get to write a book, you get to go on tour, you get to do a podcast, you know, you just get to do what you want to do. Is that I, how you I, feel? I, I don't want to really know what I'm doing Monday, any given Monday morning, uh, generally. I'd li- I like to wake up uh, with the week ahead of me and, and know that I don't have some kind of a set schedule other than when, when I'm, you know, working on certain projects. So, no, I, I like the mystery of the way life unfolds, you know, and uh, yeah, and what it holds. And uh, right now, I just want to play with Jimmy and do the concerts for as long as I'm mobile, mobile and I got 80% of the moves left and, uh, and, and work on the, the product that I'm proud of that I originated uh, with, uh, with my three partners and, uh, and have fun at this age and this time in life and where the rest of the world is. You, you, gotta, you gotta have fun at what you're doing. Any, any plans for any big features in the future stuff Not you've been really. noodling on? Not, not really, not really, no, 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 uh, you know, I'm always writing something and, uh, and, uh, my youngest daughter, Steli and I are working on a few concepts for, for television and, uh, um, but no, Stella's uh, funny. Oh yeah. She's yeah. Oh, I'll have to send you dog manner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was totally unsolicited, but I was driving to your event at the magic castle with someone who said, you know, I took an improv class with a yeah. Dan's daughter. And I said, yeah, how was she? Because I'm always prepared mm-hmm. for the, you know, the apple to fall a little bit further from the tree. Than, and she said, oh, she was the best in the class. No, she's funny. Uh, we have a, and then we, we talked to her at the event for quite some time. Yeah, she's too. neat. I'll, I'll, I'll send you Dog Manor to look at where uh, she does this English dog lady. And we're working on a concept uh, for... Uh, for a show, and uh, she did a little demonstrator video. I'll have I'll, I'll have my secretary send it so it's just you can see it. Yeah. Please, yeah, yeah. And she loves horses. <coughs> she, oh, yeah, and, and wants and to get a mini donkey or something. Uh, she's got a couple, a couple of couple of donkeys, yeah, and two <laughs> dogs, and you know, she's just a great person. And and my writing partner, and then my eldest records under the name Vera Sola, V E R A S O L A, Vera Sola, and uh, she's kind of a, um, a folk noir singer, uh, guitarist. Uh, a composer, songwriter, and she's got a new single out now um, uh, called Desire Path. And apparently part of it's about me, and uh, I don't know, I'm still trying to decipher what part of it's about me, but <laughs> she has a great new video out. She's such a crunchy guitar player and vocalist. I'm very proud of her. Yeah, And then the middle one uh, is an Irish rep off-Broadway uh, alumnus. She did a Eugene O'Neill play there after ACT uh, studies in uh, San Francisco and Reed College, and so I'm very proud of the the girls. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Um, and so for you, spirituality, UFOs, the great beyond that that whole world. Uh, people talk about it. I don't. I'm not really in any lane. I don't have strong thoughts one way or the other about it. But I, I think you do. Well, spirituality and UFOs. I don't know whether they're linked, other than perhaps that we're all God's creatures. Even these beings that have these hyper advanced crafts, craft they seem to be organic and humanoid and intelligent. Uh, I uh, I guess there's a link there that they they maybe if they're beings they have spirit. As far as spirituality, I am a spiritualist, you know, uh, like just people could say, oh, I'm a Catholic, a Protestant, a Scientologist, I'm Jewish, I'm Muslim. I say I'm a spiritualist, and I, it comes from my family's longtime interest <clears throat> in uh, the belief that not only does the soul survive uh, in energy after death, but the consciousness can also survive. And so that brings us to the concept of mediums and mediumship and channeling and seances and 
Uh, there's a community in upstate New York called Lilydale near Chautauqua, and there are registered licensed mediums there that you can go to in the summer and go to their houses and uh, and uh, get readings and try to contact those who, who've gone uh, beyond. And the results are quite quite stunning and quite uh, credible. Have you been able to contact anyone who's passed? I have not had <clears throat> myself any uh, vivid experiences in, in seances, but I've heard some just great, great stories, you know, about how the medium can know nothing about, knows nothing about the person, doesn't know the name of, uh, you know, like, you know, the name of a, a pet, the name of someone who's gone before, an address. They, they pick out things that, that only the deceased person was know, would know. Uh, in, new, in multiple multiplicity of these uh, events and seances. So um, you, enough of that anecdotal evidence piles up and you got to go, yeah, there's something there. Yeah. So well, what's your overall view of like, we're talking about John Candy, we're talking about John Belushi, such amazing <clears throat> spirits, such crazy energy while on this planet, been gone for a long time. I have. What, what is your here. sort of general take on where that energy went? I believe that they were both of those guys were immediately assigned to other, other entities, other so to like the unborn re- reincarnation. They went off. They went off. That they they were too vivid, and they were too uh, uh, contributive and too positive and too giving and too talented. Uh, that energy there not to survive in its own way. So I, I think they went on to other assignments. I I, I like to believe that. Uh, I'd love to believe it too, but I yeah. always think about this stuff. And I think this way about religion sometimes, too, which is how much of it do we think is factual is not the right word. But how much of it is our yearning for this, you know, what I mean, and this concept of leaving and sort of nothingness and loved ones and friends leaving and us not really being able to connect or cope well, with that. I would approach it from, you know, we're not so much, <clears throat> you know, uh, not, not that it comes out of yearning, but that when good evidence is presented, it is comforting to mm-hmm. us. It's comforting that there, there might be uh, something that goes on beyond. I got a great <clears throat> story, you know, about mediumship. Uh, John Edwards is a was a, a psychic. He was he was on CBS for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very talented medium. So, Franny Drescher and Donna go to John Edwards' show in New York. I think it was Donna Dixon. Yes, and yes. and so, her wife. Yes, and uh, we are wife and husband. No longer cohabitating. She doesn't have to put up with the hysterics anymore. But she's uh, great, and she goes. Uh, she goes with Franny too. She's a beautiful actress uh, who was in Bosom Buddies and Bosom Spies Buddies. Like Us. And, Spies yeah, Like and Us. Yeah, and I have three daughters. And TV her. shows. Well, back yeah. In the day. So she and Franny go to John Edwards' show because Franny wants to reach her grandmother, you see. Fran Drescher. Yes. So they go to the show. And Franny's in the audience with John Edwards, and Donna's in the green room uh, watching on television. Well, John Edwards is kind of searching. You know, for references, uh, Franny, uh, it, uh, you know, he, she, he says, I'm getting a uniform. No, no. I'm getting st- stripes on a sleeve. No, 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 no. That's not my grandmother. No. I'm getting a pair of wire eyeglasses. No, no. You know, Franny's getting frustrated. I'm getting the name. This is John Edwards now. I'm getting, mm-hmm. uh, talking to Franny and feeling something. I'm getting the name Morris. And Morris wants to get a message to Steve. 
And Donna's in the room going, holy, Morris, that's Dan's uncle, Morris, who was in the Navy. And his son is Steve. And Morris passed. And so what happened there, Adam? Was my uncle elbowed his way through into <laughs> into uh, into Franny's ch- uh, trance channeling uh, uh, you know uh, uh, session with John Edwards and he, he to get through and this is what happens commonly in seances you'll be going looking for one entity come to come through and another one will say I-, I want that channel move out of the way and that's what my that's what my uncle did to say he wanted to get a message to Steve that everything was all right Franny was upset that his grandmother wasn't reached but. Donna came back to me and said, we got to tell Steve that his dad's okay. <laughs> wow. So things like that, yeah. They, they elbow their way through. And UFOs, been a lot of stuff out lately. I mean, we've been arguing about this since the 60s and the 70s or before. But mm-hmm. now, for the first time, it seems like there's some concrete evidence. Well, there's an office in New York now. It's called the uh, – New York, Washington, D.C., I'm sorry. Uh, it's called the uh, All Domain – Mm-hmm. Anomalous Resolution Office. This is the uh, new uh, uh, formal uh, Pentagon investigative branch or office or bureau for UFO uh, reports. So uh, mm-hmm. all domain, that means water, sea. They go in sea. They go, uh, they're going to the sea at 1,000 miles an hour with, a, with the medium meaning nothing to them. Right. Uh, so all domain, sea, sky, air, whatever, uh, earth, uh, and then anomalous. You can't explain it. It's right. an anomaly. Then resolution. We we have to explain it. We can't have machines like this flying around with our air force and our navy. So we have to resolve it. And the office that does it. So civilian reports are going to be accepted. Military reports are going to be there. You, whether you believe or not uh, that these hyper advanced craft exist with intelligent operators, you you may, may believe it or not. It is a reality. Have you had any encounters yourself? I have seen four of them. Four. Yep. In Canada, United States, uh, Martha's Vineyard, uh, two in Canada. Well, I, I would say four. Well, four because two were at one sighting. So uh, three events: uh, Martha's Vineyard um, in Montreal, Canada, in downtown Montreal, right there. How would you know what it was? Well, <clears throat> this thing in Montreal. I was with a friend, and we were sitting there on the twenty-third floor of the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, uh, doing some promotion for Patron Tequila at the time that I had in Canada, and we were there in Montreal. In the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, 23rd floor, gray February day, and we're sitting, we were sitting watching the spiders on the 23rd floor in the window. They were going up and down like yo-yos, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez, that's an interesting phenomenon. We're sitting there. And then uh, my friend goes, what's that? What's that? I said, what, what? And I look out, and coming down St. Catherine Street, is what I can only say hit my mind first as a Macy's Day balloon. Balloon. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a Thanksgiving balloon. I'm thinking, oh, they've got some kind of a parade coming. But I'm thinking it's February. There's no parade. It's it's winter. It's gray. That there's nobody out on the streets watching a parade. And I watch this thing come closer. It's about 50 feet wide. It's 150 feet long. It's maybe 20 feet high. And underneath looked like a bunch of grapes, like round bulbous uh, growths underneath or, or mechanism underneath and it came it parked 50 feet off the window we were able to look at it for a full minute and it just sat there silently big gray object really you know no lights on it and anything everything and then it turned and then we ran out in the hall and we watched it just drift out over the St. Lawrence River just slow slow and it must have been 
others that saw this. I don't know. I never reported it. But we were, you know, when you know, when you see something you know is not a helicopter, a meteoric bolide, a a jet, a plane, a uh, a balloon, uh, we know this was a craft uh, machined and uh, and 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 controlled by I don't know robot AI what, but it just sat there silently. And I, I have a book, a couple of books on UFOs, and I looked up and, and I, I saw one that kind of looked like it with the bunch of grapes thing underneath that had been reported in other sightings and just to have another person there yeah and 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 you know <clears throat> her reaction what's that i'll never forget what's that what <laughs> so what's your head on it, it is it that they're <clears throat> coming here to observe or they don't know who we are and they've sort of lost their way no they know they and know. I, I, many many different i would say as Lord Hill, uh, Lord Hill Norton there, the uh, the aerospace uh, attaché from the British government there, uh, or he was, a, I think, a minister, a deputy minister in uh, the British government, he said there are 23 different species visiting that he counted. Mm-hmm. They're here for many reasons. They know who we are, for sure. Many of them do. Many of them know who we are. Many of them care who we are. Many of them are benevolent. Many don't care who we are, couldn't care less, and they're just tripping through. Many are tourists. Like if you look the Stingray UFO, you look up that Stingray UFO, you're going to see a picture of a uh, of a craft. It looks like a Corvette with no wheels, but with a a stinger out the back. That is commonly seen. Then you have the Mexican humanoid UFOs, where you have guys that look like they're in a rocket pack, but they're up there at airline height, and you know a rocket pack don't go above 150, 200 feet. Right. And so you just if you look on the website, just those two alone, Mexican humanoid. Flying humanoids, Mexican City, <clears throat> Mexico City, and you look at <clears throat> the uh, the other uh, I- events that that you see all around that the Stingray. There's a guy here uh, taking pictures of them in Marina del Rey. The the uh, helicopters are police, sheriff, and uh, fire are all complaining sometimes about how they buzz the helicopters out here at Marina del Rey. So many different types. <clears throat> excuse me, many different types, many different species. Many different interests in humankind, from ranging from tourism to straight-up abduction and medical uh, extraction of fluids, like that happened to Barney and Betty Hill. You know that story. I've heard that story. That's a great one. But that's, well, that's pretty vivid. I was kind of dubious, you know, all throughout my life, because all I had was Leonard Nimoy telling me about it, and super grainy pictures, and a lot of stuff that now we have radar happened in Nevada. Camera. But now... Yeah. Now it's 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 documented. Yeah, we have we have radar and but here's all kinds a, of other stuff that's going to come out. The Aero office that I just mentioned is going to start releasing other stuff too. But here's an interesting on a, on a psychological note. I, and I've been saying so. If you're of a certain age, you realize we've been discussing this my entire life and and debating it and arguing over it and many a TV show and a movie. And so and so has been dedicated to this subject. And now it seems as if we finally have some definitive information. It's coming from the government. It's coming from Navy pilots and mm-hmm. cameras inside their cockpits and things like that. And nobody seems to care, which is very interesting. And I think it's because we've become in such crazed narcissists and we're all staring down at our phones that we don't look up into the heavens anymore. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot to do with it. But I think it's more that we have really 
uh, vivid concerns on this planet other than who's visiting and, and who cares about us or not that have these craft. We have, you know, worldwide famine. We have wars. We have, inter, you know, we have violence. We have gun crimes. We have so much in the, in the world. But that, 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 human- oh, that existed in the 70s. <clears throat> Not not in the extreme that we have today, I don't think. You know? Well, I mean, we talked about it in different terms. We we talked about ecology and the ice age. Now we're talking about global warming. And yeah, but I mean, I'm saying we always had problems. Mm-hmm. You know, we always had the inner city and we always had skirmishes. And as I always comically say, I said when I would watch SNL, in the 70s, and they started with the news segment, they'd start oftentimes with trouble in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's 50 years ago, mm-hmm. and it's a comedy show, and they started with trouble in the Middle East. So, I mean, we, we've we always had this, mm-hmm. but, we ha- but we carved out room to obsess over UFOs, even amongst the, the strife we have on, on planet Earth. We just don't seem as interested anymore. I think it's a psychological thing. Well, I think that uh, exposure uh, in the news media will uh, will take care of that once they start uh, distributing some of the, the footage that they have. Um, more people will get interested. But again, they're not going to come down and solve these problems. They should. <clears throat> um, they shouldn't be holding back. In fact, you the have... UFOs. Or yeah, the UFOs. Uh, say, say, say you have an intelligent being that has one of these craft that can do what, what, what uh, they report. They should be hovering above... Countries in Africa purifying their water, um, providing uh, basic materials for shelter. They should be if they if they're here visiting us. They should help mankind. But they're not going to do. They should take a magnet and get all of the guns uh, in the world and just suck them up into one of the vessels. They're not going to do that. Yeah. So we have to. We humans have to are down here trying to solve those problems. Uh, and but if I could directly address them, I'd say get the magnet, get the water purifier. You know, you got the technology. Don't be so selfish. You've been coming to this planet as tourists and enjoying the sights. Now help us out. Yeah. Alien privilege. Yeah. I think they call it. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's end oh, on, a, on a funny <clears throat> note. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal Head Vodka is the name of the product. It is pure. It is delicious. It's a conversation piece. Thank you. You should treat yourself to this work of art. Yeah, outside thanks. and inside yeah. the bottle. I, Thanksgiving. I say. Is, 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 outside Thanksgiving and, and Christmas great gifts. Show up with that. That's right. Instead of your dry ass stuffing this year <laughs> and really make an impact. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Dan, this has been a treat for me. Oh, thank you, Adam. Thank you. Say hello to Jimmy. I shall. Yeah. And, uh, Let's do it again whenever whenever you're around. For sure, for sure. Absolutely. This was fun. And you like cars, too. That's another thing you like is cars. And, yeah. I want to yeah. check out your Pierce Arrow, did you say? Pierce Arrow, yeah. What year? Uh, 32, 1604 limousine. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover had an identical car. Uh, wow. To the one I have, yeah. God, people don't realize how many American car companies there were in Packard, this country. Duesenberg. Packard, Duesenberg. Yeah, yeah. lots yeah. of Cord, American. Cord. Auburn. Cord was the first yeah. front-wheel drive car, one of the first, yeah. as I recall. Yeah, of course, Studebaker, Hupmobile. Uh, yeah, they just kept you know, going and going. Yeah, Hudson. All right, well, we'll talk cars next time okay. you're here. Because I, I got all Paul Newman's race cars. Yeah, yeah, right. So right. we can, wow, great. We wow. can dwell, delve into that. <clears throat> uh, go to adamcarroll.com. I got shows all over the, the country. Go check out crystalheadvodka.com. And until next time, this is Adam Kroll. For Dan Aykroyd, say it. Mahala.
You can leave us a voicemail at 888-634-1744. And you can get tickets to see the Ace Man at adamcarolla.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. All right, this show brought to you in part by Simply Safe. If you have 30 minutes, you never have to worry about break-ins ever again. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Adam. Get all the sensors you need, all the help you need as well to set it up. Custom systems going to show up post-haste at simplysafe.com slash Adam.